welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We doing all right, church? We feeling good? Feeling alive? We've had a busy morning. There's a lot happening. Why don't everybody just take a deep breath? In through the nose, out through the mouth. Come on. You're in the right place. Feeling good? Feel a lot, I see a lot of blank faces. Feeling good? Okay. Tell your face, okay? Tell your face that you're doing good, okay? Great. Hey, I'm going to jump in uh, to this series that we're doing on the book of Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians. As I look in my Bible, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that I'll highlight and underline. And like every word in the book of Philippians is underlined and it's highlighted. And uh, man, it's such an amazing book. And uh, if you weren't here when we introed this series and first started talking about it when Clint was here, how many of you were here when Pastor Clint was here, did an incredible job? We love him. Uh, man, I, I feel like I like... I thought I was kind of smart, and then he started talking, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's what really smart looks like. <laughs> Great, fantastic. Uh, but man, he opened up God's Word and uh, just taught the Bible so brilliantly to us and made things just make sense and come to life. And he introed this series talking about how it's a letter uh, from Paul to this church in Philippi, and he's writing from prison. And it's a this beautiful letter. And then Pastor Rob continued the series. By the way, if you're not a huge fan of, of me preaching today, it's all good because Pastor Rob Ketterling is our lead pastor. And he's usually the one that preaches. So if you don't like this today, it's all good, okay? He's usually going to be the one preaching, and you will love him. He's an amazing teacher, uh, great preacher, brings the Bible to life. And he shared on uh, this passage, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says this in uh, Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He shared that. And now I'm going to share today the next two verses in this uh, chapter, in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open it up to Philippians chapter 4, get your phone out, uh, follow along. It's good to follow along. It's good to take notes. You get a better seat in heaven if you take more notes. Barna study. That's not true at all. Philippians chapter 4, we good? Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this right here. It says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. My prayer for us today at the end of this message is that we would, we would see and experience and receive the peace of God. The peace of God. It's a theme through the book of Philippians. It's a theme through the whole Bible. The peace of God. That God wants, wants you to be in a, a place of rest. That peace would be in your mind and in your spirit. And so I want to title this message. If you're taking notes, write this down. Title the message is this. What were you thinking? Okay? Just write that down. What were you thinking? It's encouraging words from your pastor, right? <laughs> what were you thinking? Um, growing up, I, I had this uh, a bit of an issue uh, with getting into minor amounts of trouble. 
nothing like serious, nothing like crazy, you know, uh, but just like little bits of trouble, like things like setting things on fire inside my house, things like that. <laughs> my, my dad's shaking his head on the front row. Um, things like that. Not, not a huge deal, but you know, minor issues. Um, or like, uh, like getting a mouse trap, you know, the one that does that. And uh, I watched way too much Home Alone when I was a kid. And, uh, and so like, I thought it'd be a good idea to set that trap on the top of the ladder of my neighbor's swing set. Just minor, you know, it's fine. And the trap worked. So <laughs> the good news is we can use that if we need to. Um, and so just minor amounts of trouble. So every single time I got myself into one of these minor <laughs> little amounts of trouble, uh, my, my dad would come to me without fail and he'd ask the question that I'm sure many of you have been asked before, which is this, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? And my dad, when he would get really upset, he'd actually get quieter, um, which is even more terrifying than having somebody <laughs> yell at you. And so it was a very calm what were you thinking? You know? So that's what I experienced. And here's, the, here's my answer. Like the only answer that I have still to this day is, I don't know, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> you know? And that's true. Unfortunately, that's simply the truth is I wasn't thinking anything. Now, contrast that with the fact that I was uh, born into a family with three older sisters and no brothers. Now, I didn't realize that there was a huge difference between the, the pace and volume of thoughts that my sisters were having. And from what I find out by now having a wife and her sister living in my house, uh, that that's actually a common thing that, that, uh, at least in my experience, I'm not speaking for every person, uh, but in my experience, they have more thoughts in their head more often than I ever will in my entire life. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I, I am saying that if I had as many thoughts at that rate going through my mind every single moment of every single day, I would have to take a lot of naps because of exhaustion, okay? There's a Grand Canyon-esque difference between the thought lives of men and women. I'm not talking about content of their thoughts. I'm talking about the volume and the rate at which they are thinking these things in such volume. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but what I am saying is that an extreme on either end is probably not healthy. Let me give you an example. Uh, it was Nicole and uh, our, it was our anniversary, Nicole and I celebrating our anniversary and we were given a gift card. And uh, because we were given a gift card, we thought, let's actually go to a nice restaurant. And so we went to a restaurant that served really delicious steak. Okay. So we are uh, sitting there and we're waiting for our food and we're having a great conversation. We love each other. We love to talk to each other. We love to communicate. We love spending time with each other. But then something happened where uh, it, it happens actually with every meal where the food came to the table. And so what happened was we were talking but then suddenly we were not talking because I was eating my steak. And uh, she seemed to be a little surprised by the abrupt silence that I was sh showing her. And, um, and uh, so all of a sudden I hear the fork clink on the plate, like in, the, in an action of I'm putting my fork down so you can hear that I'm putting my fork down. And, and uh, she, she said, can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's up? And she goes, what are you thinking about? 
I'm like, do you want me to be honest with you? She's like, yes, please be honest with me. I'm like, I'm just thinking about eating my steak. Like, that's <laughs> literally all I'm thinking about. I, like, what do you, I can't eat steak and think about something else at the same time. I have a friend. I have a friend. And uh, he, he and his wife were on a, a long road trip up uh, somewhere, and, and he was just silent, and, and he wasn't saying much. And, and she was really concerned with the state of the lack of conversation. So she grabbed his arm and said, babe, what's going through your mind right now? <laughs> this, is, this is a true story. Ask Molly. It's a true story. And he, he goes, do you want me to be honest with you? She's like, yes, please be honest with me. And he goes, thinking about cups, like camp, camping cups. There's a, some different kinds of camping cups that I want to buy. And that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> okay? So, so when I say, when, when my dad says, what were you thinking? And I say nothing, I mean nothing. Like, I wasn't thinking. I was just doing things, you know? And what I'm saying is that, that that's not healthy. And, and just letting your thoughts control uh, the way that you eat ice cream and the way that like, you like, I- interact with every single moment of every single day, the extreme on either end is probably not healthy. And here's what I'm thankful for, is that we don't have to live our lives wondering and guessing what's a healthy way to think, what's a healthy way to process, what are good things for us to think about, how many things should we think about within like a 27 second period of time. like The Bible is very clear on how we are to think. And the reason why this is important is because our thoughts are extremely powerful. Your thoughts are the alignment and the direction of your every action. You eat things, buy things, wear things, say things, do things, live a certain way because of the thoughts that are in your head and the things that have your attention. What we feed our thoughts consumes our life and aligns our words and action. Let's think about it from the perspective of food. I love talking about food because I love eating food. There is uh, good food, which is like healthy things, um, like things that you can pronounce, um, things that are created by the earth and not a scientist, you know? Things that are, are like, if you look at the ingredients, uh, something that would be healthy is something that doesn't have a color and a number corresponding as an ingredient. Um, that would be something that is healthy. Now, those things are good for you. When, you. when you put them in your body, they're good for you. They're healthy for you. They build your body up. They make you stronger. They make you smarter. They, they help you. They don't destroy your body. Now, there is the other kind of food, the kind of food that I am drawn to, like a moth to a flame. Things like Sour Patch Kids, or I like to call them on the street SPKs. Um, uh, things like Takis are even better, the Aldi knockoff of Takis, okay? If you haven't had them, do yourself a favor. Um, these are the things that I am drawn to. And, and those things, if you read the ingredients, uh, it, you might be speaking in tongues. I don't know. I like I it's it's unbelievable the ingredient list on these things and the first like the first ingredient is like all the sugar in the world you know like these are these are things that are destroying your body when you put them in your body it is causing destruction in your body it's not good for you it's not making you healthier it's destroying you now now here's here's the the the, the reason why I wanted to share all of that is because uh, with food my friends and my family can see when I'm putting things into my body that are destroying me. 
when I'm not drinking enough water, when I'm eating too many SPKs, when I'm, when I'm eating too many Takis, when I'm, when I'm not eating healthy things. My friends can see that. They see me getting lethargic. They see my eating habits. They see my mood. They see the way that I'm acting and they can help keep me accountable and bring me in the right direction. Now, here's the scariest thing about our thoughts is that my friends cannot see the thoughts that I'm thinking. And I could be thinking things that are destroying my spirit and destroying the direction of my life and the places that I'm going and the conversations that I'm having, and no one would be able to see the thoughts that I'm thinking. That's why this is so important. This matters. Our thoughts are powerful. So here's point number one. Fix your thoughts. Don't fix your thoughts. Yes, just write it down. Fix your thoughts. Don't fix your thoughts. Now, there are two definitions for the word fix. First of all, it's a verb, which means it takes action. So no matter the definition you're reading, it takes action from us to fix something. So lots of times we pray for miracles to take place, even though it's things that we've gotten ourselves into that God specifically said and gave us directions on how to not get there. And we pray that we would get delivered from the consequences of our actions. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking action, okay? And and so there's two definitions. The one definition is to mend or to repair. So we're talking about fixing your thoughts, to mend your thoughts or to repair your thoughts. That is not what we are talking about. The definition that we are talking about is to fasten securely, to fix, to fasten securely in a particular place or position, to lock your thoughts in, to fasten them, to secure them. It's important that we don't merely resist negative thoughts, but we replace them because whatever you merely resist will persist. Have you ever tried to not think about something? What do you do? You think about it. Like you say, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about it. Here, here's a great example. When you were a kid and your mom made cookies, but the cookies were not for you, what did she say? Do not even think about eating these cookies. And what did you do? You only thought about one thing, eating cookies. You would say to yourself, don't look at those cookies. Don't even, don't even look at them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look. I don't even like cookies. What's a cookie? I don't know. You have these thoughts and what are you doing the whole time? You're trying to resist this. All you're doing is feeding the desire for this thing. So don't resist, just replace, replace your thoughts with things that are good. Replace your thoughts with things that God is designing you to think about. Fixing your thoughts creates a focal point for your focus. Focal points in art are the direction for your attention. Though you see other things in the painting or photo, your direction and focus is on the focal point. The same is true for the direction of your life. If you fix your thoughts on what is true, pure, praiseworthy, all the things that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 4, those things will become the focal point of your every moment and guide the direction of your steps. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word, talking about God's word, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Though, though you have the focal point of scripture, you can still see the negativity. You can still see things that are bombarding you. You can still see things that are bringing anxiety out of your peripheral, but your focal point is on Jesus. Your focal point is on God's word. And as you keep your eyes fixed on the focal point of Jesus and the things he has designed you to think about, your life will align with those things. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise, 
aka nothing on Instagram. These words are the filter through which we think. So what do we do after we fix our thoughts? Do we go back to living the same way and the same habits and the same patterns? No, this is what Paul says. I love it. So clear. He says, fix your thoughts on these things. And then he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace of God will be with you. I'm going to invite Anita to come and we're going to close this out. But the second and final point that I have is this. Practice makes progress. Practice makes progress. We've heard the saying, practice makes perfect. And I think that that over time could be true because eventually you'll be in eternity and you will be perfected. But what I'm talking about is that the progress that you're going to make in your life with Jesus takes practice. You can practice things without actually getting better. Did you know that? You can practice things, you don't get better. Here's, here's how I know that. Because uh, I played the trumpet when I was in middle school and I played football. And I practiced both of them. But one of the things I got better at, the other thing, surprisingly, the trumpet, I didn't get better at. Um, and and here's, here's, here's how this works. When I, when I would go to practice my trumpet, I did it because I was told to, not because I had any desire to. And so as I would practice, I'd, I'd make mistakes in the practicing and Whatever, mom, sign my practice sheet, please, so I can turn it in and get a decent grade in band, you know? <laughs> that, was, that was all it was. It had nothing to do with my thoughts or attention. But football and other sports, those things had my thoughts and my attention. So you can practice something without getting better at it, but that is not how God has designed us to live. God has designed us to live not mindless, not just routine. Because if you practice something without thought and attention behind it, it's just dead routine. And that is not what a life with Jesus looks like. A life with Jesus is everything but dead routine. There's nothing about our life with Jesus that's dead routine. But what we need to know is that the practice that you are doing is not making you perfect, but it's putting you in alignment with the one that does the perfecting. Clint read this in his message on Philippians chapter one. And he said this in Philippians chapter one, verse six, for I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You don't practice the things you've heard and seen to be perfect. But in the practicing, you align your mind and your life with the one who does the perfecting. And that, I believe, is where the peace of God comes from. Paul says, then the peace, the God of peace will be with you. Peace is what this world is searching for. Anxiety disorder is the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million people. Nearly one half of every person diagnosed with anxiety is also diagnosed with depression and vice versa. And peace is not some ambiguous feeling that we hope will come, but we need to know that it's a promise from our Heavenly Father. But the peace in your mind is dependent on who or what has a peace of your mind. That's why we need to fix our thoughts on these things. Fix our thoughts on these things. But that is a choice that only you can make. It's thought and it's practice. It's attention and it's action. It's thought and it's practice. It's attention 
and it's action. And it's that, living that life, following Jesus, fixing your thoughts on these things, putting into practice. You know, I love what Paul says. He says, keep putting into practice. There's an assumption that you're actually doing better than you probably think you are. And that might be a word for somebody today, that you're actually doing better than you think you are. Keep putting into practice. Your, your, your life with Jesus is not over. You're just getting started. Keep putting into practice. Keep fixing your thoughts. It's not a one-time thing. It's at every moment of every single day. And I want to I wrap this whole thing up with this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There are things that can hinder you in your relationship with God that are not sin. How many of those things are our thoughts not aligning with what God wants us to think about? And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus is somebody that we are to fix our eyes on, fix our thoughts on, keep our focus on Jesus. Not because he's outrunning ahead and we are trying to keep up with him, but because he ran to us. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give everybody the opportunity right now to make that decision, to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, to follow Jesus. We believe that because of our sin, we have separated ourselves from God, and there's no amount of good works that we could do to get back into relationship with Him. But because He loved us so much, He sent Jesus to live the life we could not live and die the death we deserve to die for the penalty and payment of our sin. On that cross, Jesus took everything that we deserve, and He gave us everything that He deserved. Romans 10 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, nobody's going to call you out. If you want to make a decision to turn from your old way of doing things, thinking and, and, and processing things and, and start living for Jesus, following him, surrendering your life to him, be that new creation that, that he promises will become, nobody's going to call you out. Just slip your hand up right where you're at. You want to be that new creation. Yes, amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've fallen short. Please forgive me. Today I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation. Jesus, you are my Lord and you're my Savior and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we...